0: Glad that you're tuned in uh, for our time of study in the Word of God tonight. We're going to be looking in Revelation chapter 1. That's one of those hard books in the Bible to find. It's the last one. (laughs) Uh, Revelation chapter 1. I just want to share a message entitled The Revelation of Christ. And while you're opening your Bible up there, just a couple of announcements, and then I'll give them again at the end of the service. Uh, This Sunday, uh, we'll be having Drive-In Church. And so that'll be at 10 o'clock. So we wanna encourage you to come and be a part of that. Uh, When you come in the parking lot, please come in uh, off of uh, Intermediate uh, West Road. Is that West or Intermediate North? Anyway, come in the back driveway, amen. Don't come in off of Old Friel Road. We wanna, we'll have uh, parking lot attendants out there to help guide you where you need to park and how you need to park. And uh, we'd appreciate it uh, if you'd uh, respect that as they come in. And uh, so we want everybody to stay in their cars while the service is going on. And that'll be at 10 a.m. Also on Sunday afternoon at 5.30 will be our discussion panel. Rather than doing it in the morning, we're gonna do it in the afternoon. So 5.30 uh, p.m. will be discussion panel. And right after that at 6 p.m. will be the preaching time. And so we want you to be a part of all those times and opportunities for us to uh, worship the Lord. Uh, This Sunday is the first phase of trying to get the church back open. And we have a three-phase plan in place. You uh, should be, if you're a member of the church or you attend here regularly, you should be receiving a letter in the mail uh, either tomorrow or the next day. Uh, with all the guidelines in reference to phase one, two, and three of getting the church open. And so be sure to read through that. And we want to be a help. If you have any questions or something you don't understand, just uh, give us a call or text us or email us, whatever. We'd be glad to answer your questions. And also remember, you can go on our website to get our prayer sheet for tonight. And that's just going on OCBCMinistries.org, uh, clicking on our church tab. And uh, down on the bottom of the list, you'll see our prayer sheet for this, uh, uh, this week. And so make sure you print that out or at least go on there each day and uh, pray for everyone that's on that prayer list. And we'd appreciate that. Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1 in verse 1. The Revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him, uh, to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Christ and of all things that he saw. Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy unto him that loved us and washed us from all of our sins in his own blood, and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he cometh with the cl- with clouds, and every eye shall see him. And they also which pierced him, and all the kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha... And Omega, the beginning and the end, saith the Lord, which is, and which was, and which is to come, uh, the Almighty. Let's pray together. God, we're thankful uh, that we can be together tonight uh, uh, through the means of live stream to be able to study the Word of God. I pray, Lord, right now you'd remove all distractions from us. I pray that we would be uh, focused on the Word of God Uh, May we not be thinking what we did today or what needs to be finished up from our daily responsibilities or what we're going to do this evening, Lord, Uh, but help us have a heart and a mind, spirit, Lord, that are completely surrendered and focused on you and your word. And uh, we want to learn some things about the revelation of Christ that will challenge us and encourage us tonight. And so, Holy Spirit of God, be our teacher and our guide through the Word. Uh, Bless the preaching of the Word of God, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I don't really know of a more profound book in the Bible than the book of Revelation. And, you know, it's always interesting when somebody gets saved, the first thing they want to do is go to the book of Revelation and read it. And I know my wife and I did that when we got saved and jumped right into the book of Revelation. And over the years, I've led people to the Lord and uh, as soon as they got saved, right away they started asking me questions. Pastor, you know, I was reading the book of Revelation. I feel like saying, whoa, what are you doing over there? Uh, be, people who have been uh, theologian for years and years and years all their life still do, don't comprehend what's in the book of Revelation. and But yet we always run there because it's a profound book. Uh, and it speaks of things that are going to take place in the future. And show, so many times we want to be able to try to understand what is going to happen in the future. Many people have read the book of Revelation and have totally misunderstood what it was talking about. And yet there's still many others have studied it and uh, meditated upon it and still have misinterpreted it. And so the book of Revelation, I've heard people different times will say it's the revelation of John. It's not the revelation of John. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ that was given to John. And the revelation, we we have to be careful uh, that we don't uh, uh, misinterpret the book in reference to the focus and the reason why it was written. It was written so that we might understand who Christ is and what Christ would be and do uh, in all things from eternity past to eternity future. That's why verse 1, it says, Revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he signified it by his angel unto his servant John. And so we know very quickly as you read that first verse, the purpose of the book is to reveal Jesus Christ in reference to what was shortly to come to pass. And then in verse 2, he says, Who bear record of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things which he saw. And I'm thankful that John was diligent to record all things that he saw. Uh, You know, Pastor Dwan and I were talking this afternoon for a little bit there. And you just think of being in John's shoes, sitting on the Isle of Patmos, And seeing all these things in the book of Revelation being revealed to him, how it must have overwhelmed him, how it must have have confused him, how how much it must have stirred him with excitement because by the time you get to the end, he says, even so come Lord Jesus. And so John was able to see these things firsthand and be able to pin them down and to give them to us so we can read it here in 2020. Verse 3 says, blessed is he that readeth. Don't ever get to a point where you don't think it's a blessing to read the word of God. It's always a blessing to read the word of God. Blessed is he that readeth. And they that hear the words of this prophecy. And it's always exciting to be able to hear messages on prophecy. I'm working on some messages and praying over some thoughts about prophecy to preach on in the next several weeks maybe. As God would lead, but certainly it's on my heart to preach on prophecy. Why? Because it's great to read the word, but it's a wonderful thing to be able to hear about prophecy. You know, back in the 70s and 80s, there was a lot of people getting saved, a lot of churches being planted, a lot of things that God was doing. And I think it was because there was a great emphasis on Bible prophecy in those years. And so it's a blessing to read and to hear the words of this prophecy. And then in verse 3, he says, And to keep those things which are written therein. And so it's not just a matter of reading and listening to the preaching and on prophecy, but it's responding to what you read and what you hear and keeping what God has revealed. It, Jesus said, To whom much is given, much is required. So the more knowledge, the more depth, the more revelation you receive the more you're responsible for. And so uh, we want to be reminded that we need to keep the things that we are learning, not just in our heart, but sharing it with others. And then in verse 3, he tells us why. For the time is at hand. And it's interesting, in the first three verses, two times, he mentions the uh, shortness of the reality of the closeness, I guess, guess you could say, of the return of Jesus Christ. Because verse 1, he says, he sings what must shortly come to pass. In verse 3, he says, for the time is at hand. And whenever you read that, you know, Jesus will repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And that phrase, at hand, means it's ready to spring forth at any moment. And so that's an exciting thought for the believer because if the kingdom of heaven is at hand, that means we're getting ready to go to glory, amen. And so the revelation of Jesus Christ helps us to comprehend uh, the times and the seasons in which we are living and gives us hope and blessings to know that Jesus Christ is coming again. So I want to look at verse 4 through 8 as our text verse in our study tonight on the revelation of Jesus Christ. First of all, I see the message from Christ in verse 4. John to the seven churches which are in Asia. Now you understand that the message that's coming is not John's message because John is receiving the message from Christ. He's being revealed to him what message Christ has for the church. And so John to the seven churches which are in, in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him which is and which was and which is to come, and from the seven spirits which are before his throne. So notice the message from Christ is a message that offers grace. And so he's writing to the churches, revealing through John to the churches, grace be unto you. I don't think there's a greater promise or statement that God can make to us than his grace has been extended to us. They've often said that grace can be spelled out God's riches at Christ's expense. And so when you think of everything that you can enjoy and have the hope of eternal life, uh, it is because of the fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross. We're going to heaven not because of what we can do, but we're going to heaven because what God has done. And that's grace, God giving to us what we do not deserve. And, uh, you know, grace traces all the way back into Genesis chapter 6. When God was, oh, uh, uh, I, I was going to say upset, I think it was more than that. He was in a rage. Uh, he was angry at the creation because man was doing everything That you can imagine in man's heart, he was wicked. He was defiling the world that God had created. But in the midst of all that wrath and and, uh, revelation of God's uh, disdain for man's corruptness, in Genesis 6 and 8 it says, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. You say, Why in the world was Noah delivered in his family? Because he found grace. In the eyes of the Lord. You know, the amazing thing is this the grace of God was extended to others because of the fact that God gave Noah time to preach and warn of the judgment to come. All man had to do was believe that God would provide a way for deliverance from the wrath that was coming and that would be going into the ark. And yet, but man mocked the preaching of Noah. Uh, refused to accept and acknowledge the wrath of God coming. And as a result of that, it was Noah only and his family that found grace in the eyes of God, and they were delivered. This one who is speaking to the church, this Jesus Christ that is revealing himself to the church, is the one who says, grace be unto you. Noah certainly understood the power of grace. When I'm going to tell you, I often think that what it must have been like with Noah on that ark and hearing the roar of the thunder, uh, hearing the pounding of the rain on the wood, uh, experiencing the wind blowing, severe uh, judgment of God on this earth, what it must have been like to sit in that ark and think, God's grace has put me here. God's grace has delivered me. And when we think about God's grace, let's think about the wrath and the judgment of God that comes on this world uh, because of their wickedness and their corruptness, but there is grace that is offered. The revelation of Christ is this, grace be unto you. You say, well, I couldn't be saved tonight. There's no way I could be saved. Yes, you can, because the revelation of Christ is he's offering grace. He wants you to be saved by grace. For by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And so grace is offered. In Exodus chapter 33, we read of Moses leading the children of Israel And as he's leading them along in Exodus chapter 33 in verse 17. Is that where I'm at? Verse 17. And it says, And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing as thou hast spoken. For thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. I remember years ago, I mean this was a long time ago, I preached a message out of this chapter on the grace of God in the midst of law and the grace of God in the midst of wrath and judgment. And I had a fellow who was listening, he was at church and I got done. He told me, he said, it's amazing to me in the midst of all this law that God has revealed to Moses and has been delivered to the people of God, in the midst of all that, there's grace that's available. And why is that? Because the revelation of Christ is that I give grace unto you. And so Noah experienced the grace of God. Moses experienced the grace of God. Well, look over in Ezra. Just turn to the right a few books, and you'll get over to the book of Ezra. And Ezra was a great uh, priest and preacher. And Ezra chapter, what chapter I want? Chapter 9. Just turn to the right. You get past First Chronicles, Second Chronicles. you begin get, getting into Ezra. And uh, Ezra chapter 9 and verse 8 says, And now, now for a little space grace hath been showed from the Lord our God, to leave us a remnant to escape and to give us a nail in his holy place that our God may lighten our hearts and give us a little reviving in our bondage. And so God, for a little space, has given, given grace. I remember hearing a preacher preach a message last uh, years ago. You know, when you get my age, everything is just a few minutes ago or a few a week ago. But anyway, it was a long time ago. And the message was entitled, It's All Nailed Down. <laughs> he preached out this, this verse to give us a nail in his holy place. God's got it nailed down. Amen. Mm-hmm. And how is that? Because of God's grace. God gives us a little reviving. If there is something that is needed in America today, it certainly is the grace of God to bring us some revival. A man cannot, listen, man cannot create revival. God, give us the grace to experience revival. I am like what Ezra says, that his grace revealed that they had a remnant. There's always people, people of God, that worship him and depend upon him and love him. How is that? It's by the grace of God. So Noah, Moses, and Ezra experienced grace. Well, you and I need to experience that grace. In Romans chapter 3, in verse 24, says, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. You and I can experience the grace of God that lets us experience the redemption of God. Romans 5, in verse 2, says, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace, wherein we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And so when you get into Revelation and you start reading Revelation, the very first thing it talks about, this one Jesus that is being revealed has a message to the churches. And the message he has to the church is that one of grace. Notice also it says, grace be unto you and peace. We're in such a state of turmoil, seems like, all the time. It seems the world is in a flux. We're always in a state of turmoil. Romans 5, 1 says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so God's grace helps us to be able to experience the peace of God. Apart from grace, you can't have a settledness of tranquility in your heart. It is grace that develops the Peace. Uh, in Philippians 4, 7, it says, In the grace of God, which path all understanding, shall keep your hearts. I'm thankful tonight that the grace of God gives us peace in the midst of the storms. It gives us peace to be able to continue on because our peace is in reference to who Christ is. Listen, the greater Christ is known in your life, the stronger the peace of God reigns in your heart. where Listen, where despair and discouragement comes in is because there's a lack of the revelation of Christ in our life. And so the, the message that is offered by Christ is one of grace and one of peace, and it's one of being spirit-filled. Back in, in Isaiah, and I'll just turn over there real quick. You don't have to turn over here. But uh, Isaiah chapter 11 in verse 2 speaks about the sevenfold fullness of the Spirit of God on the Messiah. In uh, uh, Isaiah 11 in verse 1, it says, And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse. Of course, we know that's Jesus Christ. A branch shall grow up out of his roots. That's the prophecy concerning the Messiah would come. The revelation of Christ is what? A sevenfold fullness of the Spirit of God on him. In verse 2, it says, And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. You know, it's an interesting thing. When Jesus was baptized of John, the Spirit, like a dove, Uh, landed on Christ, and the spirit of God that was on Christ would lead Christ into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. The perfection of a sevenfold spirit, the spirit of God would rest upon this Messiah. Notice he would have the spirit of wisdom. So the spirit of the Lord would rest on him. The spirit of wisdom would be upon him. You know, as a young boy, as a 12-year-old lad, he, he confounded the lawyers of his day. How could he do that? Because of the sevenfold perfected uh, spirit resting upon him. Uh, so the spirit of the Lord, one. Spirit of wisdom, two. Spirit of understanding, three. You say, nobody understands. I love that song. No one understands me like Jesus. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. No one understands the things that I'm going through in my life but Jesus Christ. Why? Because he has the spirit of understanding. The spirit of counsel. I'm thankful that I can go to Christ and he'll counsel me. And of might. That talks about the power of Christ. And then the spirit of knowledge. Uh, Not just wisdom. Wisdom is being, being able to take information and put it in action in your life. Knowledge is assuming and gleaning more truths and, and information. He, listen, he's omniscient. He knows everything. And then it says, and of the fear of the Lord. The word fear there carries with it reverence or respect. And so a sevenfold aspect of the spirit of God resting upon him. So the revelation of Christ is the one who comes with a message of grace and peace and fullness of the Holy Spirit. Charles Spurgeon said this, without Christ, there's no hope. And so it's so important for us to comprehend the revelation of Christ because without Christ, there's no hope. And and the sad thing is, so many people try to find direction and find hope in their life, but they're trying to do it with an absence of understanding of who Christ is. And when God in his wisdom and will and perfection recorded for us the word of God, he ended everything. Everything from Genesis and on culminates in completion in the revelation of Jesus Christ to us. Why? Because without Christ, there is no hope. I like what Ravi Zacharias said. Is said outside of the cross of Jesus Christ, there is no hope in this world. That cross and resurrection at the core of the gospel is the only hope for humanity. Wherefore wherever, I'm sorry, wherever you go, ask God for wisdom on how to get that gospel in, even in the toughest situations of life. You know, the thing that needs to be given and shared right now with people, people are hurting, people are fearful, people are sick, people need healing. You know, you know what people need to experience right now is an understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They need to understand who Christ is because he has a message of hope for those who are unsaved. He has a message of hope for those who are saved, but they're living in fear because of the world that we are in. And so when we talk about the revelation of Christ, we have to acknowledge we have a message from Christ. And John records that for us. Then in verse 5 and 6, I see the work of Christ. Verse 5, it says, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his father to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So I see the work of Christ. Notice first of all it says unto him that loved us. You know God loves you tonight. You might not think he does, but he does love you. Uh, Jeremiah 31.3 said, God told Israel, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Oftentimes people think, well, God doesn't love me, and I did this wrong, or I did that wrong, and so I'm absent from the love of God. No, God's love to us is unconditional. God's love for us is eternal. In John chapter 15, in verse 3, and also in verse 12, well, if I can get there, I keep thinking I got the next page and I got another page to go to. Uh, John chapter fifteen in verse three says, "Know ye, I'm oh, sorry, now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you." And so, this matter of the word of God washes us and cleanses us. And so, in uh, John chapter seventeen in verse seventeen, and I'll get her over there real quick. Uh, that's not the verse I want to, wrote down the wrong verse. Oh, well, let's see. Let's try uh, verse, uh, where am I at (laughs) here? My bifocals are out of whack tonight. Uh, Chapter 15 and verse 12 says, this is my commandment that you love one another. And uh, and so this whole chapter in chapter 15 is telling us about the great love of God that he has for us. And uh, he loves us and that he so much that he abides in us and his love for us enables us to uh, produce fruit in our life. And the challenge to us is that we live in light of the love of God and uh, loving one another. And so the revelation of Christ is that he has a message for us and he has a work that he does in our life. Uh, He loves us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so I'm thankful that God loves us. It also says here that not only did he love us, but it says he washed us from all our sins in his own blood. I'm thankful for the cleansing of Jesus Christ tonight. In 1 John chapter 1 and verse 7, says but if we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ his son cleanses us from all sins one of the things we're struggling with through this pandemic is the lack of fellowship uh, people miss seeing one another and miss being with one another and, and our desire is to get you together in a safe way as quickly as possible but in the midst of this remember you might be missing the fellowship and not enjoying the fellowship, but the washing of Christ is still uh, efficient enough to keep you clean. The blood of Jesus Christ washes away all of our sins. Look over in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians, and uh, we want to look in the verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 9 and thinking of how Christ has made a difference in our life in this cleansing of Christ uh, in our life. He loved us and he washed us. First Corinthians chapter six and verse nine says, know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. What a great statement because of the fact he's identifying those that are going to miss out on his kingdom. The unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Now look what he says in verse 11. And such were some of you, before we get too high-minded and prideful, let's remember where we came from. And such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. So the revelation of Christ is that he reveals to us not just how much he loves us, but he loves us that deeply that he's willing to wash us clean from all of our sins. I'm so thankful that if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. And I'm thankful that old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new. I am thankful that the revelation of Christ is that he loves me and he washes me. I'm thankful that every day I can go before him in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The revelation of Christ is that he not just has a message for us, But he also has a work that he does in us in that he loves us and he washes us. And then notice it says in verse 6, And hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So he loved us, he washed us, he made us. And uh, God has made you uh, to become his son and his daughter. Uh, as many as received him, to them gave you the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. What does that mean? In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, says, But you are a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. That's what we are. We're a royal priesthood. That gives us a right to go in the presence of God. A holy nation. I think sometimes we forget that as a nation and as a people, we're to be holy before God. It says, epicure peculiar people. Yeah, that means you're strange to the world. That means you live differently. You act differently. And it says that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in times past were not a people. See, we we're nothing without Christ. But he says, now, "Are now the people of God, which have not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy, and so he's made us. He made us into his own people. He made us into his own children." I like what C.S. Lewis says. He said, "You must make your choice." I think of Elijah and back in Second or First uh, Kings of. Uh, uh, Samuel, I mean, uh, first, yeah, first Kings, Elijah said, how long halt you be t- between two opinions? If God be God, worship him. If Baal be God, worship him. You can't have it both ways. And Christ reveals to us that his love for us and his washing of us and his making of us. And I like C.S. Lewis because he says, you must make a choice. Either this man talking about Jesus Christ, either this man was and is the Son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. It's a choice that you make. You say, well, how do I know he's the son of God? You turn to the book of Revelation. He's revealing himself through John, that he has a message of grace and peace and a fullness of the spirit, but he has a work that he has done and anybody who's been saved and been born again can testify of the love of Christ and can testify of the cleansing of Christ and can give testimony and witness to the fact that that God has made a difference and changed their life because he makes us into what he wants us to be. For whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. So the revelation of Christ. We have the message from Christ. We have the work of Christ. And then verse 7 and 8, we see the return of Christ. Verse 7 says, Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him even so. Amen. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty God. Notice, first of all, his return completes the saints. He cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him. You know, the completion of our salvation is when Christ takes us to glory. We often talk about sanctification and refer to it as progressive sanctification. Sanctification is a setting apart. God setting us apart from our sin and the world and setting us apart unto himself. Progressive sanctification is there's a time in the past when I got saved, and when we got saved, we were washed, and when we were washed, We were sanctified. The amazing thing is, in our life, at this very moment, in real time, I am sanctified. But in reality, looking to the future, because tomorrow is coming, eternity is coming, just as important is to know that I was sanctified, and I am sanctified. That I will be sanctified. And we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And so, when Jesus returns, there's the completion of the saints of God. Our sanctification will be complete because we'll be present in him. The trump of God shall sound, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. It's an amazing event when we see what the Scriptures presents to us about the rapture of the church. The Apostle Paul said, we shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in the twinkling of an eye. As quick as an eye can blink, that's how quickly we'll be taken up to glory and taken out of this world. Why? Because our salvation will be complete. Our sanctification will be complete. When Jesus Christ comes again, behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him. Uh, He is coming again, and I think it is getting close to his return. And that's simply because of the fact that we can discern the signs of the times, and we can see what is going on around us. And uh, because of what's going on around us, it speaks to the nearness Of the return of Christ. Now you understand some 2,000 years ago, John wrote this. And some 2,000 years ago, John said these are things that will shortly come to pass. 2,000 years has gone by. You you do understand that when he writes this 2,000 some years ago, he says the time is at hand, it's ready to spring forth at any moment. And yet 2,000 years have passed. And uh, since John penned these words for us, uh, how much closer are we to the return of Christ tonight? It could be tonight. What a glorious event that would be. Why? Because it'll complete the saints of God. But it also convicts the sinner. It says, and they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. And so he convicts the sinner. Uh, every, every person, people people today will say, I don't believe in Jesus Christ. I don't believe in God. That may be okay for you, but I don't believe that. There is a day coming when you have no choice or no ability to deny the reality of Christ because you're gonna see him. And you're gonna see him as he is. In Philippians chapter 2 In verse 10, it says, And that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You will not be able to stand before Christ and deny the reality that he is the King of kings and he is the Lord of lords. You will not be able to stand before Christ and deny the reality that he is the God of heaven and the judge of all this earth. And so the revelation of Christ, the revelation that we read, uh, that John records for us, shows us the message from Christ, the work of Christ, and the return of Christ. And the return of Christ completes the saints, convicts the sinner, and then verse 8, confirms the sovereign. Notice in verse 8, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty, the sovereign one, the one who is absolutely in control of all things. Two times in these eight verses, it identifies Christ as the one which is, which was, and which is to come. It identifies him in this verse as the Alpha and the Omega, It identifies him as the one who has no beginning and the one who has no ending. It identifies him as the one who is sovereignly in control of all things. In Isaiah chapter nine, the prophecy concerning the Messiah would come reads as this in Isaiah nine and six. For unto us a child is born, that's the birth of Christ. Unto us a son is given, that's the crucifixion of Christ. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. That that is the millennial reign of Christ. And the government shall be upon his shoulders and he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. How can that be so? Because he is sovereign. There is no one that gives him the right to be the king because he is the king. There is no one that says, okay, well, I'll... Believe that he is the Savior. It doesn't matter whether you believe or not. He is the Savior. Well, okay, I can kind of see where you guys might get the idea that he was around when uh, the world was created. But you know, I, I don't. I believe that he was just a created Son of God. No, he is the eternal Son of God. He is the Creator of all things. He is the sustainer of everything. Why? Because he is the sovereign one. A.W. Tozer said this, When he returns, when he returns is not as important as the fact that we are ready for him when he does return. Everybody runs around trying to figure out when Jesus is coming again. You know, it's amazing. read through church history and you read of different ones that determined that Christ was going to return. And it's all they preached on. They set dates and believing. There's all kinds of cults that have been started because of people setting dates in reference to when Christ returns. Everybody thinks that it's significantly important that you know when he's going to come again. No. What's significantly important to you is that you're ready when he comes. Because he could come right now. If he came right now, would you be able to stand before him justified by faith? Billy Graham said this, Bible teaching about the second coming of Christ was thought of as doomsday preaching, but not anymore. It is the only ray of hope that shines as an ever brightening beam in a darkening world. Preaching the return of Christ is not doomsday. It's resurrection day. Preaching the return of Christ is not doomsday. It's reality that we have hope. And the last book in the Bible begins by so stating, The revelation of Jesus Christ. And he reveals for us a message. I'm thankful that Jesus has a message for me tonight. Amen. He has a message for you also. I'm thankful for the work of Christ. He's done a great work in my heart. He's done a great work in your heart. He's done a great work in many people's lives. Because he loves us and he washes us and he makes us. And then there's the return of Christ. It's amazing how many times the Bible records and reveals to us things about the return of Jesus Christ. Jesus is coming again. I love that song we sing as a congregational. Coming again. Jesus is coming again. And I'm not going to sing it for you. I might make Tommy come up here and sing it for you. Amen. (laughs) Amen. But I want to encourage you tonight on the revelation of Christ. God will reveal many things to you. It's all right to read through the book of Revelation, but if you don't understand it, just say, I don't understand it, and go on. Amen? God will reveal to you what he wants to reveal. The biggest thing about reading Revelation or reading any of the other passages of Scripture is to be able to see the Lord Jesus Christ to be able to see who he is, what he does, how much he loves us, what his will is for us, the revelation of Christ. Now, just before we pray, I just want to mention again a couple of things. Make sure that you turn on our prayer sheet on our website at ocbcministries.org. Click on the tab Our Church and scroll down, and you'll see our prayer sheet for this week. Now, there are several people that have been added to that prayer list Uh, This week, and uh, very seriously sick, and we need you to pray for them. We're going to pray for them, and I know that God can move and God can heal, and we're praying for God's will to be uh, completed and revealed to us. Remember on Sunday, now this Sunday, there'll be a drive-in church at 10 a.m., and we'll be live streaming that service also. And then at 5.30 p.m., we'll be discussion panel live stream only, and then at 6 p.m., the preaching, that's live stream only. So the only drive-in service we're having is at 10 a.m. So be sure to get here before 10 o'clock because we want to start right at 10 or just a couple of minutes afterwards, and I know that'll be a blessing for us to be able to gather together. We will have a box out there for you to be able to put your offerings in if you want to drop your offering up. And so we want to be able to minimize any contact that we have with one another Uh, practice social distancing, all those types of things. The key is that we're going to be together, be able to celebrate uh, Memorial Day, uh, remembering those that provided freedom for us through the sacrifices of their lives, but just remembering and rejoicing in all that we have in freedom because of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and give you life more abundantly. And we need to rejoice in the new life that we have in Christ. Well, let's pray. Father, thank you for allowing us to be together tonight. Thank you, Lord, for the revelation of Jesus Christ. Uh, Lord, speak to us. We we want our ears open. We want our heart tender to be able to hear the message that you have for us. Do a work in us, Lord, uh, how desperately we need a move and convicting um, touch from the Spirit of God so that we can continue to be molded into the image of Christ. Lord, remind us that your return is near. Help us not to fall into uh, a point of despair and hopelessness because we believe that Trump could sound, even now as I'm praying, God, we believe that you could come again in, in this very hour And Lord, we rejoice in that. But God, we would pray tonight for those on our prayer list. God, there's many that were added that have been uh, sick, Lord. There's those that have contracted as COVID-19. Lord, we pray for them. We lift them up before your throne, knowing that there is an anointing healing that comes from God and God alone. I pray, Lord, for grace and peace to rest upon the families, Lord, that we might be able to just get up day by day, experiencing grace that enables us to live our life with a settledness and an easiness because we know God loves us and cares for us. Lord, I pray, I really do pray, Lord, that for our church body, uh, Lord, many are, uh, are not able to come out to church uh, but Lord, uh, we know that we can still hear one another over the live stream. Uh, even when we're able to open up church and be able to get back in the building, there'll be those that cannot still won't be able to come. But God, we're, we're thankful that in this day, in this hour, you've given us so many different means and ways in enabling us to connect with each other. So help us to be mindful of each other's needs. Help us, Lord. Uh, to put forth the effort to reach out to one another and to seriously, continually, Lord, praying for each other. God, bring complete healing to our land. God, continue to bless us as a nation and a people. Help us, Lord, uh, to experience the anointing and conviction of the Spirit of God that would bring revival in our land. We believe all these things. We pray all these things in faith believing and trusting in the living God. Bless us now in Jesus' name, amen.